0: Hi, good morning. I want to welcome you to CFC. Thanks for joining us today. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Jess. um, I'm the assistant principal in this building, and um, if I haven't introduced you, my husband, this is John, and he's the pastor here at CFC. Um, Today, we are going to continue our series on how to poke a bear, and this series has focused on some things that, frankly, we'd rather keep hidden. And that's why we chose to call them bears. You know bears, they hibernate. So we chose some things that maybe at some point, just maybe, you've struggled with too. And so this week's topic is going to be the topic of greed.
1: Which I think is appropriate because you stole my intro. I'm supposed to do the intro.
0: Well, you did worship.
1: Yeah, but I'm, so, I'm the one who's supposed to say hello to everyone and introduce us and talk about the series and everything. I
0: think I was perfectly capable. Agree? Yes? Hey! Fine. They never clap for you when you do it.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: They <laughs> clapped for me.
1: Yeah, uh, fair enough. So, yeah, we're going to talk about greed today. Here's the thing about greed, okay? Um, and I was being greedy in case you couldn't tell. Of course I love the fact that That's she the did thing. the intro. I'm super thankful. We by the way, we celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary on Friday. So which
0: at a dress rehearsal for our daughter's dance It residual. was
1: awesome. Um, Yeah, so which I call a solid start. That's what we have, a solid start (laughs) at 16 years. Some of you are way beyond us and know way more than we do, so we're still learning. But um, we are going to talk today about greed, and I'm excited because every week in this series, it's a six-week series. We've done two so far. This is the third week. Uh, Every week in the series, Jess and I will be speaking together because on a lot of these topics, the way that a woman looks at the issue is very different than the way that a man looks at the issue. We we wanted to make sure we were covering the whole spectrum.
0: And I want to say, as we've... um As we've done two weeks of the series, and as we have prepared for this week, this series is really stepping on my toes. I'm going through the week and and re-listening and rethinking about these points, and I'm letting it step on my toes a little bit. And so I hope the same is for you. If you haven't heard the past messages, you can check them out on the website or download the podcast um, and kind of get your toes crunched a little bit.
1: Yeah. There've been a few, a couple that I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I should even really be doing this one. You know, like I don't even know if I should be up here telling people how to poke this bear because I'm not sure I have in a couple of cases. And so, um, so we're we're all learning our way through this now. Today, as we talk about greed, I think that greed, among all the the six that we're going to talk about in this series, is the one that most easily stays hidden because greed is not obvious to other people. And in fact, we can act in such a way that we hide the greed that's actually in our heart. Um, but greed is very, very damaging. Now, I think as a culture, this is interesting, as a culture, we would generally say that greed is bad. We would, I think we would agree that greed is bad. Um, in fact, greed is uh, included on a list of seven deadly sins, right? Which, by the way, are not in the Bible, just to be clear. The seven deadly sins are not in the Bible. Although each of the principles are talked about in the Bible, that's something that the church came up with in history. So historically, the church has said greed is bad. And I think we would agree. Um, We would agree that greed, when it victimizes someone else, is bad. One of the problems we have in America is that we have made greed that we don't think victimizes someone else (laughs) celebrated. In, in a capitalist society like we live in, we actually celebrate people who are greedy and self-serving and rise to the top and gather wealth for themselves, um, while, but we don't consider that bad because we don't think it's hurting anybody. But I would argue that it is hurting someone. I would argue that it's hurting the person who has that greed in their heart, and it's hurting the people that God wants them to help. And so um, greed is a problem that we need to talk about. Um, uh, John, the Apostle John puts it this way in First John chapter two uh, in verses fifteen and sixteen. he says, "Do not love the world or the things of the world and that 's really if I 'm going to define greed that 's what it is it 's the love of the things of the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. So that desire that we have to to get and to keep and to to get for ourselves um, is what we're talking about. And John's obviously not the only one to talk about this. He learned it directly from Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and worldly wealth. Now, he wasn't saying that you can't have either one of those things at the same time. He's saying you can't serve both of those things at the same time. And the problem of greed is that it is serving. And it's not just money. I mean, I know our mind jumps to money, but greed can display itself in many different forms. Greed is not an action, right? It's, it's, it's what we hold in our heart. And so it can apply to money, of course, but it can also apply to our stuff, You know, our house or our cars or our tools or our... Our energy, our our time. Apply to our energy or our time or our attention. There's a lot of things that greed could apply to. So I don't want you to pigeonhole it down to just uh, just, uh, money, and really, when it gets down to it, the problem is not the stuff. The problem is not money. Um, Jesus didn't say that love is the root of all evil, or that money is the root of all evil. He definitely, didn't, that say he definitely that. didn't say that. He didn't say that money was the root of all evil. He said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see, the money's not the problem. The stuff's not the problem. It doesn't, it's not good or bad. It's amoral. It does. It can't make decisions. What, what ends up bad is what we do with it, how we feel about it. Let me give you, I'm going to give you an example just for the, for the dramatic effect of it, let me do this example. She's, she's a little hesitant about this one. But let me just disclaimer, say. disclaimer:
0: Not wife approved.
1: <laughs> all right. Let me just say clearly, all right, cannabis or marijuana is not bad. It's a plant. It's not good or bad. It, it's what people do with it that makes it good or bad. We were talking, it's funny, we were talking, it it doesn't have, it doesn't make choices. (laughs) We make choices on how we use this stuff and how we feel about this stuff. And uh, we were talking about it. If If nobody had ever smoked marijuana before, Okay, If we had no history, we had never found this stuff before. And then one day, like a year ago, they found it in the middle of the jungle and found out all the medical properties that it has. It would be like the new penicillin. We would think we found the new wonder drug. you know. So,
0: and on the opposite, if someone started smoking penicillin early on, we might have laws against penicillin.
1: It's not a matter of the thing. We need to stop thinking about the thing like it has a personality of its own. It doesn't. It's what we do with it. It's how we think about it. And greed would be an improper understanding. Jesus said you can't serve both. Um, and, uh, And just to be clear, having wealth or having resources and being greedy are not the same thing. All right, they're not the same.
0: Right, because having something doesn't make you greedy. Having, in its very nature, doesn't make you greedy. Just like giving something doesn't make you generous. Those two things don't automatically go together. So you can give to lots of things and still do it for a greedy purpose. For example, you might give for a tax break. Um, You might, that's not our tax bracket. We're not quite there.
1: Um, You know what's funny? I'm just going to drop this in. Some of you may relate to that. that. You know the tax code just changed, right? And the standard deduction or whatever went up. And um, pastors around America were like flipping out about it because their fear was that um, if if the, uh, the standard deduction goes up, people's giving is no longer going to eclipse the standard deduction. Therefore, they'll no longer give because they get more on the standard deduction than they would if they gave. And um, I heard pe- pastors just like going crazy about that. And I was like, golly, like I, n- I know this may not be a practical thing to say, but who cares? Like that's not why we should be giving in the first place. We shouldn't be giving for a tax deduction. We should be giving because we're generous. And by the way, let me say this, uh, taking the tax deduction doesn't make you greedy. All right? Take the tax deduction, okay, on your, on your giving. Make sure you take the tax deduction. It's important. And I think, I think actually philosophically it's important that you take the tax deduction on your giving because Uncle Sam shouldn't get a cut of your giving. It should go to God first, and then Uncle Sam should get a cut of whatever's left. So anyway, let me just throw that, that in that there. Was
0: a, that was a side note. Sorry that's not, about that. That's not I, on I, my
1: notes. It kind of gets, gets me hot. Yeah. So. Okay. Sorry about that. All right.
0: We poked that bear a little bit. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> You might <laughs> give, none of you, right, of course. Right, tax break, you might right, give for the tax, tax break. R- we're, bas- we're past that. Yep. You might also give for a headline. Oh yeah, um, happens all the time. Giving, because it's um, different than the way our culture really lives, um, giving gathers a lot of attention. And so you'll see lots of headlines where people have given large sums of money um, and they get to clip that article out of the newspaper and they get to keep it. Um, and it, you know, it's a good PR move. Um, You might give to soothe your own guilt. Um, I don't know if you've seen the commercials about the animals that are all (laughs) everywhere starving and and, in terrible condition with the music. It's the music that triggers the emotion, right? And then you're like, oh my gosh, I have to give my paycheck. Here we go um, to save that one. So it might be that you're giving to soothe your own guilt. And so we want to make sure that today is not focused on action, because generosity is an attitude. And so when you make that switch, and I'm going to ask you to, to continue to make it as we talk today, generosity is not an act. It is an attitude. It's the same with greed. Greed is not an act. It's an attitude. And so we want to be operating with the attitude of generosity. I think that... Um, And I tried to not pick one of my kids as an example because that's such a mom thing to do. Like, let me get up here and talk about my kids. Um, But I'm going to. (laughs) She's going to do it anyway. Because I hang out with them a lot, you guys. (laughs) That is my life. So our son, Jairus, is wild and causes a lot of trouble. Okay? So let's say that first. But also.
1: Just to keep it real. Right. Yeah.
0: He was born with a spirit and a heart of generosity. I've not seen anything like it, and I don't have it myself. But this child will be playing by himself, and someone will want to do something else. And he'll stop, and he'll go. And he gives his energy or his effort or his attention to that thing. Um, He will see you completing a task. Not emptying the dishwasher because he hates that, but other tasks. Other
1: than the dishwasher, he will
0: see you doing that, and he will just jump in, and he gives his energy and he gives his time. Nobody asking him to do that; he just does. Recently, we went to a garage sale. Does anyone garage sale? Is that something you do? Yard (laughs) sale. Yard sale. Sorry, yard sale. Okay. This was okay. a tr- this
1: was actually a church parking lot sale. Yeah, this
0: was a church parking lot sale. They had lots of different They weren't selling like, the
1: church. It was like people from the church.
0: I don't I that. don't exactly More prefer like it because I feel so guilty if I don't like the people's stuff, but then I don't know why because they're selling it cuz they think it's junk too. So <laughs> So I feel a lot of pressure. That's just kind of my personality and I'm a lot, but so we're at this garage sale and we told the kids this is yard sale. Sorry. South. Yard sale. I got it. Keep correcting me. I like to get better. So we're, at, we're going to this yard sale. I tell all of the children that is the plan. This is what we're doing. Jairus is the only one who takes the time to go get some of his hard-earned money. And by hard-earned, I mean he turned nine on a birthday, and so his grandparents gave him money. So he goes and he gets it. He takes it. He has $9. The other two chose not to, and that's their choice. It's fine. I'd rather them not buy a Buy and come back anyway. I was going to say buy junk, but
1: it's stuff. Gently use merchandise. It's
0: treasure to some. Wouldn't you know it? We show up at the yard sale, and straight back from where we park is a table filled with Nerf guns. Y'all, my boys are 10 and 9. It is Nerf and Lego all the time. That is the only thing they want to buy. And Jerris and JD make a beeline to the table. I do not know. This is why you go to yard sales. But they found a Nerf gun at, on this table. These, I, they were pegged as suckers as soon as they were running up. So they knew they were going to make a sale. Jerris finds a Nerf gun as tall as he is for $5. It was like jackpot. He hands over the $5. Remember, he took nine. He's got four left. He hands over the $5. He's carrying around this treasure, right? Barely, because it's as big as he is. So he's lumbering around with this now-purchased Nerf gun, and his siblings are going, I don't know if y'all have seen J.D. when he doesn't get his way. <laughs> it's a good time. It's, like...
1: it's full body reaction.
0: I am of zero sympathy because I'm like, I told you you grab your money. Sorry about that. And now we're making the turn, right? The Nerf table's in the back. We're making the turn back to the car. John and I are convincing Josie she doesn't need a homemade brownie from the yard sale. And we see Jairus take his money and just hand it to his brother. And he says, a Nerf, guns, Nerf gun war is no fun unless you have one too. Right? I First of all, parenting win. Hello? Yes. Well done. But we didn't do that. We didn't tell him to give him the money. And also, we didn't tell him he had to. And we didn't tell him he should. And we didn't model that for him because we weren't giving them any money. We didn't feel bad.
1: Not a bit. In fact, if he'd asked me whether he should have done that, I'd probably have been no like, way! no! Kid needs to learn to bring money if yeah, he wants to I buy them something. I told him to bring the
0: money. They were too lazy to go get it. Tough luck. The generosity in Jairus mm. enabled his brother to buy two books. They're different kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: The books were $1 each and there were $2 left. And because of Jairus' generosity, J.D. then gave the money to Josie. And she bought, of course, a bracelet. Mm -hmm. But it's not really about what they purchased. It's really about the example that our son set for us that day. um, And how he continues to set it for us. His attitude is one of generosity at all times.
1: Right. So what he was demonstrating was that that, because he wasn't told to do it, that it came from the inside out. He felt no obligation to do that right. for, his, for his brother and sister other than his love for them. And so the reality is that you can give without being generous. I mean, you could, we've talked about that. You can give and not be generous, but you can't be generous and not give. Right. It's what's going to happen. So it's the demonstration of what's in our heart. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to talk not today about greed, all right, because it would be really a downer to talk about greed the whole time. So I would rather talk about generosity the rest of our time. And in order to do that, um, we are going to uh, read something written by the Apostle Paul. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, um, just as a little bit of context, most of the verses, by the way, um, in the New Testament that get used to talk about... Giving financial giving to the church, particularly, uh, all come from the really the same place. The Apostle Paul, uh, he wasn't raising money. He wasn't telling them to give money to their local church. That's not what he was doing in these verses that get used for that. Um, The Apostle Paul went about what you could only classify as a capital campaign, raising money for the church in Jerusalem. And in order to raise money for the church in Jerusalem, which was the center, you know, the hub of all of the churches. In order to raise money for the church in Jerusalem, he went around and sent people to the churches in the area and asked them to give money to support the church in Jerusalem. So it wasn't giving to their local church. It was actually giving through Paul to the church in Jerusalem. Um, But uh, he asked them to give, and he was very smart the way he went about it as well. That's why I call it a capital campaign is because he first got message to them and said, hey, this is what we're doing, and this is what we need. Would you make a commitment to this, they made commitments. I don't know if they were tangible money commitments or just general commitments, but they made commitments to give and support. He gave them some time to get it together, and then he went back around or sent other people back around in order to collect. And so all the verses that we see in B- the Bible about like each of you should set aside a portion in keeping with his income—that's what it's about. It's it's uh, he was saying, hey, if you made a commitment of a thousand dollars, then we got ten months until I'm coming back to collect. Then make sure that you're putting a- aside a hundred dollars a month so that when I get back, it's not a shock and not a burden. You know that you're not scrambling around trying to get this together. Get a little bit over time. It's just a practical step to follow through on what they were saying. So. So that's what he's doing, and um, he's actually speaking of, uh, uh, specifically in Cor- Corinth to Titus, who's going to be making that collection. Um, but he starts off before he talks to the Corinthians about coming back. This is um, first the book of 1 Corinthians. He talks initially about the offering. 2 Corinthians, he talks about coming to collect the offering. That's where we see those two things. Um, so before, before he talks about the actual Corinthians and what they're going to do, he uses an example of the church in Macedonia, and he wants to talk about their giving as an example for the Corinthians to follow. And uh, I think this is a really good technique because I got to level with you as a pastor, talking to people about giving or money or whatever, that's a tough thing. But, but for my, because it feels self-serving even though it's not, but I've definitely seen it come from a self-serving, you know, perspective. Um, but my whole adult life, I've worked in nonprofit organizations. organizations. When I graduated from college with a business degree, my first job was with Uni- the United Way and my job was fundraising. That's what I did. And of course, we were supported by the funds that we raised. And then I went into the ministry after that. And of course, churches are supported by people's giving. And so I've always been, my income has always been dependent on people's giving. And it's a tough thing to bring up and to talk about. And so I think that the way that Paul goes about it here is is masterful, the way he talks about giving to them. Um, So he begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, by talking about the Macedonian church. So I want to read there. And then I believe that there's a a principle about generosity we can learn from every single verse in this section. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to read this section, and then we're going to pull the principles out of it. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I'm not speaking by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. So now what I'd like to do is let's go through, and I want to highlight six uh, principles of generosity. And if you want to take notes, you might write these down. Six principles of generosity directly from these verses.
0: Sure. The first one that stands out is that generosity ignores status. Um, it says the church in Macedonia was in a great trial of affliction and they gave out of their deep poverty. And generosity, a lot of people have this attitude, well, when I, um, get, when I win the lottery, right. then I'll give. Um, because they think that it's a certain checkpoint that they have to reach in order. And again, that focuses on an action, not an attitude. Generosity is um, in all walks of life, every level of person can be generous um, and be generous with anything that they've had. Um, we hear a lot about billionaires, right, that give millions of dollars to a cause. Yeah. We don't hear much about thousandaires who give hundreds of dollars to right. a cause. And yet, who's given more there? You know, right. who's, who's made a bigger sacrifice? Um, just quick story. I promise it's gonna be quick. Go for it. I thought of it this morning when I walked into the building. Um, for a period of time, um, I was the only one employed in our house, and it was a very difficult time, as you can imagine. Public school educators um, don't make a lot of money, but we had a lot of kids. Um, And we were in a tough spot. And handed to me from the bus drivers that drive for my school was a card with what I felt at the time was a gigantic gift, a gigantic gift of financial support. And, and here's my bus drivers right. giving to their assistant principal, Right, And if it you wasn't, think
1: teachers are underpaid,
0: right right.
1: Drive a bus with how many kids are on a bus?
0: 55.:
1: <sighs> Classroom sizes are 25, 30, right? Yes. <laughs> Poor bus drivers. It,
0: it was just but. such I knew for them it was such a sacrifice, and because of that, the gift meant so much to me. Um, because generosity ignores status. It is an attitude.
1: Yeah, Jesus made a point of pointing this out. He was he was uh, at the temple one day, and there were two people that went to give money. And one of them paraded it in front of everybody and wanted everybody to see what was happening, really was trying to get attention. Um, and then there was a poor woman who brought basically two pennies and put them in. And Jesus said, who gave more? Obviously, obviously, the first, the first guy gave more as a sum, but the, the second woman gave more because of her heart. He said he gave, she gave all that she had. And what he was pointing out was not the amounts or even, I don't think, the percentages. He was pointing out their intention. And um, so it's not a matter of how much we have or how little we have. It's a matter of our intention. So generosity ignores status. The second thing is that generosity acts willingly. Generosity acts willingly. Um, giving can be compulsory, right? But big word, but, giving, but generosity is freely given. It's willing. And I want you to know, it's part of the reason we don't pass a basket down the aisle um, at Carolina Family Church. Other churches do that, and it's fine. I'm not saying anything about that. But I feel like, for me, when the basket comes in front of me, it creates guilt. And I don't think that that's where giving should be given, or should, how it should be given. Um, the, uh, uh, when he was talking about the churches in Macedonia, he said, despite all of that stuff, they were freely willing. They were asking for the opportunity. They weren't. They weren't being forced to do this. So generosity acts willingly. On um, the third one, we're going to move through these quickly. Um, the third one is that generosity creates fellowship. Generosity creates fellowship. Uh, he said, imploring us with much urgency that we would, we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And it says that they gave themselves to the Lord first, then they gave themselves to them second. Uh, when when we have a generous heart, and then that flows out into giving or generosity in, as an action it creates a bond. It creates a bond like few things ever do. Have, have you, ever, like, the, the the feeling that you had when those bus drivers gave that to you, right. it must have made you feel so close to them, right. so connected to them. And when we're generous and we give gifts like that, we feel this intense connection with God because we know we're acting within his character. And when then when we give to an individual or when we give to an organization, it instantly makes us feel like a part of that or a part of them. It creates a relationship and a connection and an investment in that person and in that thing like few things do. And so
0: I, I thought about our um, setup team for this. You know, they, yeah. our setup team comes in um, at 530, also taking applicants right now, and your application is already approved. Um <laughs> But they come in at 530, and, you know, set up and tear down for a church is a lot. And it's a lot of energy and a lot of time, and it is a sacrifice. And yet, when you talk to them, when you talk about to any of our set up team or our tear down team, um, they say that's what's bonded them together. Yep. That's what makes them committed. Um, that's what, you know, on some weekends when they don't really feel like heading out, that's why they do, because they're so invested, um, and it's created that fellowship.
1: That's a great example. Thank you. Nice. Right, so. <laughs> oh, so, no, it's my turn. Yeah, sorry,
0: sorry. I, I got all enamored that I got a compliment. <laughs> oh, how romantic.
1: Happy anniversary.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Number four generosity follows through. Um, you know, they. As Titus was going around to collect these, they were assuming that as people had made commitments that they were going to um, honor them, that they were going to keep their commitments. And this is something um, we live in a very yes society, but not a society that follows through on those yeses. And I think that... um, I think we have to acknowledge and recognize that there are certain organizations and there are certain people that rely on generosity, the generosity of the church, um, of all of us. Um, the church is one of them, but there are many other organizations that rely on that and that count on that to be able to do the work um, that they've been called to do. And so um, generosity, I think gets a bad rap is like this big one-time thing focused on the action and really, it's a consistency that really breeds an attitude of generosity.
1: Yeah, consistent generosity is far more effective than temporary generosity, for sure, or one-time generosity. But um, so he, the, what he says to them is he says, you know, I want Titus to, to complete this grace, to bring it around, to, to, to close the loop, to make it happen. And um, then he says in the next verse, as you abound in all of this other stuff faith and knowledge and speech and all this stuff i want you to abound in this too that i want you to i want you to grow in this area i want you to, to overflow in this area and so the seventh or the fifth thing is um, generosity develops over time generosity is something that grows and it multiplies in us and as we are generous in our heart that begins to the actions of that become greater and greater and greater. And just as we're supposed to grow in faith and grow in speech and knowledge and diligence and love for, for each other, we're supposed to grow in generosity as well.
0: And number um, six, I really love, um, because I, I just love how what it says in the verses. It says, I speak not by commandment, so I'm not commanding you to do this. You don't have, I'm not right. forcing you to be generous here. Um, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. So number six is generosity loves sincerely. Um, you know, when we have an attitude of generosity, then the natural outpouring of that will be an action. And he's saying that shows love. And so in a way, this is the fruit of, Giving um, is the fruit of your generosity. And so if you say that you're generous, but there is no fruit, then you might need to take a step back um, yeah. and accepting that. And I just love, I love that. It makes me question and challenge myself.
1: Right, and go back through and check on, check on all those areas. Um, uh, here's, here's why this is so important. I mean, gr- greed won't necessarily, like, injure someone all right, unless it's, you know, to the extent that we would all agree is wrong. But like lower end greed doesn't injure somebody. But the thing is that I know from experience, and I know many of you know from experience, that living generously is the best way to live. I I was, um, we were actually at dinner on our anniversary, and um, Jairus asked what we were going to be talking about this weekend, what what the sermon was on, and we said greed. And he was like, hmm. Greed. It was like he was processing, like, I don't understand this concept. Um, I was like, what do, you, what do you think is the opposite of greed? And he was like, generosity? I was like, yeah, yeah, nailed it. You got it. Good. Good job, buddy. And I huh, said, the okay. The
0: is on track. Wow.
1: Okay, great. So um, I said, okay, which is better, greed or generosity? He went, Generosity. I was like, you already get it. You don't even have to listen to the message, right? It's better. It's going to lead us to a better life. And so, um, so we want to know that, that generosity is all of those things that we just talked about. But now what I want to do is, okay, so when we have that generosity in our heart, how does that flow out into action? So we're going to go now to chapter nine, Second Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to read the instructions that he gives to the Corinthians, and then we're going to pull out six actions of generosity. What does it look like when generosity... And we can use that almost as a checklist to see, am I generous, um, as you're thinking about the area you're thinking about. So Second Corinthians 9, verses 5 through 15. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, That you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he's dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you're enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So out of this, we're going to walk through and we're going to pull out the six actions of generosity. And the first one I think is very, very important and one many people miss. The first action of generosity is to plan intentionally. All right? Um, If we are generous, then we will actually plan for it rather than just doing it when the moment strikes us. And even if we want to be generous uh, in, in the momentary Uh, situations, we should still plan for that and have the margin so that we are prepared. So what Paul told them was, I sent some people ahead to make sure that you knew this was coming so that you could be putting it away so that you'd be ready when the time came. And the reason he says that he told them to do that is because God loves a cheerful giver. And if we give under compulsion, we are going to give begrudgingly. If he came and said, hey, we're collecting for the offering today, and you went, oh no, I totally forgot. And I said I was going to give 100 bucks, but I don't have 100 bucks. Then you would run around, you would try to find it, and by the time you gave it, it would be a pain in your neck to do it. So it is very important that we plan intentionally.
0: Which segues nicely to number two. It sure does. I thought maybe you were going to take it from me.
1: I wasn't, because I'm generous. Thank
0: you. Decide cheerfully. <laughs> number two is decide cheerfully. Um, here's one of those things. Um, that, that God does because it could sound very much like God might be being a little bit selfish when he says he wants us to give to the um, church or tithe and things like that. But here's the thing, that's not God's character ever. And what he says is that he loves a cheerful giver and he wants us to give as, we, as, we per, as the purpose of our heart says to because he knows what it does for us. Um, I I don't know. Heather and I were talking. So Heather, you've got to laugh really loudly if nobody else gets this. All right. Um, Have have you ever seen the Friends episode where Phoebe's trying to do the kind act that is selfless?
1: Trying to find a truly selfless act. Yes, thank you.
0: Okay. So she's trying. And every time she does something kind, right, she then feels good. And then she's like, now, wait a minute. That did something for me. And it was just this cycle because God knows when we cheerfully give, when we decide to give cheerfully, then there is, we reap a whole set of benefits. That's not why we give. It's just one of those God things that he does because he's so good. Um, so deciding cheerfully is an important action step.
1: Right, so when we plan and then we dis, we decide cheerfully, um, Paul gives us an encouragement that we can trust confidently. You know, one of the things that keeps us from gene, being generous often is because it's, it's fear. You know, I don't I don't want to give this away or I don't want to offer this to someone because if I offer it to them, then I don't have it anymore and I might need it. You know, so that is a hoarder's mentality, by the way. And so I might need this one day, so I'm going to keep. You know, uh, you know, a bin of one thousand miscellaneous screws. And batteries and all Cords. the, what? Cords. Yeah, cables, computer cables and stuff. I got like a bin that's just full of them. And she's like, "Why do you keep those around?" I'm like, "I might need them one day." And every and then once every it's four not years, just
0: that stuff he hoards everything. Once every
1: four years, I need one, and that just vindicates me. You know, like, see, this is why I keep them all. But. um, but God wants us to be able to trust him. Well, Paul is, what Paul communicates here is, hey, listen, he said, uh, God's able to make all base, grace abound to you that ha, always having all sufficiency in all things, you may have an abundance for every good work. So Paul is saying, hey, don't worry. Whatever it is that you committed to, to give, whatever, if God purposed it in your heart and you planned for it and you're giving it cheerfully, don't worry because God is going to take care of you. And I can speak from personal experience. That's absolutely true. There are times where we've given to organizations, to people, to the church or whatever, and it's been scary. The amount has been scary. The timing has been scary. God has always, always, always worked it out and sometimes in miraculous ways. And so um, one of those actions of generosity is to trust confidently.
0: The fourth action of generosity is to watch expectantly. Um, I, this one is so true um, and you can kind of, test it here if you want. This is a, one of those action steps you can test. But what's great about us giving or us being generous with anything is that God can take that anything and he can grow it and he can use it in ways that we couldn't even imagine. And here's the promise. When you are generous with whatever you're being generous or whatever amount or whatever it is, then God says, thank you. Watch what I'm going to do. And it's, it's true, and it's promised here. And the thing is, it says it will multiply and increase. And I'm not a math person, but those are both up, right? <laughs> in children's ministry, also taking applications, and you're approved. In children's ministry, we pray every week that the time that we give on Sunday morning will then be blessed and multiplied throughout the week so that it doesn't feel like we're losing something, by giving to children's ministry, but that we are gaining back in our team and in our the how it ministers to us and everything else, and it happens every single week.
1: Right, and um, so God is far more capable of being efficient and effective with my stuff than I am. So right. you put it, you put it in His hands, and you do do what He asks you to do, and He takes it and blows it up and. And there's a, there's, a, there's a very strong principle in Scripture that when we are faithful with what God has given to us, he trusts us with more. And that's sometimes here, and we know that's uh, forever in his kingdom. But when we're faithful here with what he gives us, he trusts us with more. And so the fifth thing is to receive purposefully. So when you have a, a mentality or a heart set of generosity, and you're actively giving, and God blesses you with more ability to give, and whatever that is, uh, whatever whatever the you know, whatever it is you're using to give, um, we need to maintain that mentality. We need to uh, receive purposefully so that when God blesses us with whatever it is, we keep that mentality and we focus. He said, uh, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So you just keep going, uh, follow through. And then the sixth thing, and he really lands this on the most important thing. And that's number six, that we are to give responsively so so what paul says and this is the point of the whole thing we've been talking about a lot of practical stuff but this is the point of the whole the whole thing he said while through the proof of this ministry they glorify god for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of christ so he's saying you have said that you believe in jesus christ and it's obvious because of your actions that you have put on the mind of christ which is to be generous that you have responded to what you see in your savior that when you look at Christ, you see his level of generosity. And you've said, if that's him, then that's going to be me. So we're giving responsively. He says, for all your liberal sharing with them and all men and by the prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. And then this last verse, it's, it's the kicker. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul is saying that all of your generosity should be based on the generosity of God towards us. That what, that what God did was send his one and only son to die for us. What his son did was to give his life as a sacrifice for ours on the cross, setting us free from the penalty of sin and death. And he rose again on the third day. And if God would be that generous with us, if God would be that open-handed with us, sacrificial with us, then we too should do exactly the same thing for him and for our brothers and sisters. And so he demonstrated it, and Paul wants them to think of this whole thing within that context. Because really, generosity is born out of love. And love gives, that's what it does. True love gives, it does not take away. The most famous verse in the entire Bible is John 3 16. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved that he gave. God is generous with us, and we need to ask ourselves, how generous am I?
0: And I, I just want to challenge you in asking that question. Don't use generosity in one area of your life to substitute greed in another. See, we have lots of different things to be generous with. We obviously have money. That's the, the low-hanging fruit there. But also our time, our energy, our possessions, our resources, all of these things are not ours. They're just ours here on earth, but they are tools that God could use. And so uh, I don't want us to get trapped in the, well, I'm very generous with my money, so i don't have to give my time, or I give a lot of time to that organization so I don't have to give my money. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's not about the action. It is the attitude in our hearts. And so I just want to challenge you to not slip into that mindset as
1: well. Right. God's not after money. He's not after time. He's not after... Possession. He's not after that stuff. He's after our hearts. That's what He wants. And when He has our heart, it's going to flow into all of those different areas. And after we accept Christ as our Savior, our mindset is supposed to change. Our mindset is supposed to change in the light of His generosity. Our mindset is supposed to change from trying to focus on and build our own kingdom to focusing on and building His kingdom, to looking forward to what He has planned for us. And, uh, He's not after all that stuff. He's after our hearts. But if he, but if he has our heart, he's going to have all that stuff. Okay, that's the way that works. So what I want to do is uh, take a minute to pray because uh, we all need to assess and see where greed ha- may have slipped into our own lives and then make commitments to God. So let's use this time of prayer to do that. Would you mind praying for us? I hadn't asked you to do that beforehand, so I'm springing that on you. Yeah, but well, it's okay. If you would do that.
0: Pray without ceasing,
1: okay. right? Right, sure. All right, thank Dear you. Dear
0: Father, I just thank you so much for the ability to gather here today um, as a group and just to open your word and to learn from you. Um, Thank you for um, these truths that are so evident in your scripture. Thank you for um, knowing that if we are generous, something you ask us to be, um, then we also reap the benefit of following you in that step and that you can do so much more um, with that. Um, I just ask now that you use the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to just expose some areas of greed that maybe we didn't even think were there before we walked in today. And as you expose those, Lord, don't don't um, burden us with guilt, but just empower us with these truths that you shared with us today. Um, I just ask that you use the Holy Spirit to pick a step for us as we walk out the door, that we can tangibly live out generosity this week um, as we uh, work to rid the bear of greed in our lives. In name we pray.